Hey everyone, this is Heather, and you're listening to Simply Healed with Heather Leonard. Today's episode is part two, y'all. It's wanting something before you ask how to get it. Let's take another look. Last episode, I was getting into empathy and how we can use that as a tool to get the outcomes that we're looking for a little more easily. And today I want to continue on that and get into so much more. So thanks for joining. Of course, the second I start talking to you guys, my dog enters the room. It's like he thinks that he is a co-host and his support is needed. <laughs> Maybe he just feels energy around when I do this podcasting that my energy is different and he just decides to come support me. I don't know, but I love it. So anyway, I wanted to start by just talking about a little bit of something in the last episode that I didn't totally round back to um, around career. I wanted to get into that a little bit more around empathy and you know really it's just this it's the best way to get a real clear on like what an employer is looking for so this is just a little side note piggy backing a little on last week's episode so when you're really thinking about you know i want this promotion i want to be noticed at work i want you guys to really try using this empathy trick as trying to put yourself in your boss's shoes. And I know that sounds crazy, but really think if I'm sitting on the other side of this table right now next to me, what is it that I wish this person would show up as or with or whatever that would help support me and my, you know, job in in this business? What is it they're really looking for? Because sometimes I think we get a little sidetracked on our own desires and yeah, you know, I'm wanting this. I have this career aspiration. I have, you know, and you lay it all out for them and you forget they're just wanting what? Like if you're the employer, you're really, I mean, as much as like, of course, they're probably trying to, you know, bottom dollar it a little bit and all of that, but they're also trying to figure out the really valuable people within their company that they can't live without and figuring out who those people are. And then those are the people they don't mind paying extra for. Those are the people that they want to promote. Those are the people that, you know, they need to make sure are satisfied as employees so that they're not tempted to go elsewhere or, you know, this whole walking out business. Like they got to make sure that, Um, they're making you happy. And so first and foremost, you need to be that irreplaceable employee. That's what I think it comes down to more often than not. Because I feel like somebody who's that valuable to a company, you could pretty much give them your list of wants and and they're going to probably meet you there. And if you haven't yet proven yourself as irreplaceable, in that way and then it's almost like your list of demands doesn't even matter your list of wants and desires and to move up or to you know these ambitions they don't care they only truly care about retaining those that they can't do their business without so find your way to be that irreplaceable employee that person that they come to just need in their space because you're making their life easier you're doing the extra stuff without having to be asked and you know because if you're an employer do you really want to have to always be asking people hey can you like if you have some extra time do you mind just rounding you know the the place and making sure all the lights are turned off at the end of the day and this and that whatever it is you know no (laughs) you want people who just take that initiative because those are the people that they're not here I know I'm going to have to be there to make sure all these things happen. And that's obnoxious. So (laughs) I think sometimes this empathetic route can really help us a lot in 
and remembering what it is that they care about and how to show your stuff. It's not necessarily like on paper what you look like. It's like those little things of like, okay, so the trash is overflowing all over the place and the people don't come in to clean it until, you know, tomorrow at midnight or whatever. And you take the initiative to just, you know, take the stuff that's piling up on the floor around it, put it in there, maybe pull the bag and put a new one in and just leave the, you know what I mean? Like those little acts sometimes when you're an employer, all that stuff matters and trust me is noticed because sometimes those are just those qualities that you can't find on a resume. You can't, you know, you could have somebody that does all the right stuff, but they don't do those little things. Then, you know, if it's between the two on a piece of paper, then you're going to choose the one that who always goes a little above and beyond to just do what seems humanly decent, right? (laughs) So that was my little last thing that I wanted to make sure I made mention of, because I'm sure there's some of you who are thinking career-wise and, you know, what what way that that could apply to you, because I said I was going to talk about it. So, Um, so that's that. But now on to today, when you're wanting something so badly, we're going back to this whole wanting some desired outcome, wanting the job, wanting the good, you know, diagnosis, wanting to be able to save your person from this, you know, (laughs) whatever it is. I mean, addiction or this, um, battle with cancer or, you know, save them from themselves or a bad relationship. Or, or if you're looking to hopefully, you know, lock in that relationship and that's the outcome you want is with this great new person in your life, whatever it is, just be super clear that it is what you want. And I know that sounds silly, but do you realize how many times people are like, it's the struggle of that desire to get it? Um, I used to kind of be like serial at this myself, where it was like I would date somebody and trying to win them over was the adrenaline rush for me. The second they were interested, I was bored and done. That sounds terrible. And I admitting that is like a big step for me. <laughs> but I feel like like in my high school years, like early on, young teenage years, that was my thing. It was the conquest of it all, that sort of trying to get the person that I desired. And then as soon as they wanted me back, I was disinterested and bored. And I know that doesn't make sense, but I really think it's because I was searching for being able to acquire. Like it was that that gave me the rush. It wasn't anything that this person had to offer. I wasn't actually chasing after somebody. I never actually really wanted what I was going after. I really think there was this part of me that just liked that adrenaline rush. And I have news for you. There's a million other ways to get that adrenaline rush in life. So when we're trying to figure out like, how do I get there? How do I get this thing? Be super sure it's actually the thing itself that you want and not just a feeling that that thing gives you. So I'm going to slow down because I talk really fast and I'll make sure you get what I'm saying here. So for instance, when I'm helping people with their grief, often people are so desperate to get their person back. It's like, no, I just, it's them. Like when you say like, what can I do? How can I help? It's not anything you can give me. It's just them. I want them. Do you though? Because this is what's interesting. They gave you something. What was it they gave you? Did they make you feel safe and secure? Did they make you feel um, unconditionally loved? Did they make you feel at peace? Did they make you feel seen? Like if you can identify that thing that being with that person provided you with, this is the beauty here because then you're going to find that 
maybe in essence, it's not necessarily the person because you can't replace the person. You know, once they're gone, they're gone. But can you replace that feeling? Can you find it in something else? Because some people think, well, I'm never going to get remarried. If that's what you're saying, they're like already eye rolling right now. I'm not suggesting you have to go find another person that has those same qualities. I'm actually suggesting you might be able to find those things in something other than a relationship. My dog gives me unconditional love. My dog gives me a feeling of security and home and and, um, safety. So I'm saying there are other ways to still get the feeling and to start to feel good inside again. So like before you go chasing after the one and only, this is the only person that it can be. Because when you hear people that talk to relationship coaches, this is like often something that I, I will hear from my clients because they think I'm going to help as a relationship coach when I'm really a grief coach. But but they, they want me to help them with the next step, which is perfectly fine. But I will hear this question around relationships all the time. Tunnel vision over one person. It has to be this person. They're everything. They are exactly like my person and then some. It has to be them and in reality they're solar focused on the feeling that person gives them inside it's starting to wake up and remind them of what felt good before and things in their past that have given them peace and comfort and loving feelings and all of that it's not even it doesn't have to be this person think about how many people are in this world it doesn't have to be this one and only person that you've narrowed your sights on it just so happens to be that they are there and that they represent a feeling that you're missing and longing for. So, you know, similarly with some of these health struggles or like struggling to get a job, this can apply all over the place. Like if you're so tunnel vision on like, oh, it has to be this one job, this job will be the job, Um, you know, because it's what I've always wanted. I wanted to be on radio. I wanted this and that. But for all you know, there could be something that has all those same things, but even offers you more. Like like you think you need this job at a radio station, but yet you could be a, a podcaster in the comfort of your home, not having to get up at early hours and like all these other things. So it's the same, but it actually is better. And you just didn't even know it existed. So in health, this is one of the biggest struggles. You know what you're thinking. Well, a cure to what I have as an ailment is only going to be fixed with a cure to this ailment, you know. But what I'm suggesting in this light is just that we're wanting to control the narrative and get the outcome we want. And I think the beauty in it is if we cannot have to control it and just trust it, that no matter what happens, whether the diagnosis gets cured, whether they, you know, get the outcome, they get to ring the bell, whatever it is, whether that happens or doesn't happen, think about what you want. And if it's like, no, I just want to be able to prolong their life and their time or whatever, then remember that. Remember that you still have some time with them. They're still here and make the most of that time instead of focusing so much on trying to make it more time. You're not even enjoying the time that you have in the present. You know what I mean? So if you're, you know, cause if it's gonna, if their life is gonna end, it's likely gonna end. And yes, you can put in a lot of efforts and sometimes we can prolong people's life and that's wonderful. But even if it doesn't work out that way, I don't want you to feel like you failed and everything is lost, all hope's lost. It's not necessarily. It's like the new chapter just opened up. And it's scary. Of course it's scary when your new chapter doesn't hold somebody in it that you loved. Or if, you know, it's your own battle and 
how terrifying you might feel towards the whole idea of death and dying. But I mean, again, what, how beautiful could that next chapter be? I just have to believe that no matter what, we all have a beginning and an end. And if time is what you're looking to prolong with this person because you love them so much, just remember if they still have this time right now, they're still here, make the most of it because you don't know. I mean, even if the, if the doctors say, well, this is something that, you know, it should be 10, 12 years still before we're talking end of life. You still never know once something happens. So just remember like what I'm really upset about is the fact that now I feel like I know the expiration date. I feel like now I have this like looming thing that feels like it's a date approaching. Don't even think of it that way. I mean, think of it as I still have some time with my person and now I've been reminded of the fact that life is short and fleeting. So I got to make the most of every day. What am I going to do with this next decade or whatever? I'm going to make sure that I'm doing fun things. I'm not putting it off till retirement. I'm not, you know, waiting on tomorrow and saying, yeah, yeah, we'll finally go visit them, you know, in a, in a couple years or whatever, because a couple years turn into decades. And you know what I mean? Like, just see it as the gift, you know, of a reminder that time is what I really want with them. And I have it right now. And I got to use it to the fullest. So that's how I, in hindsight, wish I had handled everything from the moment we got his diagnosis. I think that the biggest struggle comes in for people when they find out that there's major illness or problems and you're fighting to try to save a life and you think if you stop for even a moment to just enjoy life that you could be you know, eating something wrong, not getting enough rest, not doing the things to help yourself along. When in reality, I, I think that the more emotionally you're at peace and having a good time and keeping things light and not stressful, I feel find the outcomes are usually better. It's not medical advice, guys, just my opinion, but you know, you can keep your cortisol levels down, those stress hormones and, um, and keep yourself like, I mean, anytime I think you're full of joy, I think outcomes are, are more likely good outcomes. I remember, I wish I could remember her name. Oh, so there was somebody a while back who she started a whole foundation. She cured her cancer with laughing is what she claims. She, even started like a hotline. I don't know, it was like 1-800-LAUGH or no, I'm probably making that up. So don't type that into a phone. It was something like that though, or it had like laughs or jokes or whatever, whatever it was. You could call this number and I had it written down and we did it several times through my husband's treatment where if you just needed a smile, it was like a little kid telling jokes and like a fun levity, right? You could call this number at any point and just get some fun stuff. So there are times where things will feel like I can't even see the light at all. And so joy and laughter can certainly start to at least, I don't know, put you back on a good course because the other stuff is for nothing. If you're going to change your diet, change your exercise, do all this stuff, and then you're going to sit there and stress out. I mean, your heart rate, that's, you know, you're, you're sweating, your heart's racing, you're feeling bad inside. You've got, you know, ugh. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like counterintuitive. You're doing half the stuff really right. And then the other half is just fighting against it. They're clashing. They're two things that can't coexist very well. So yeah, you have to find a way to somehow keep your spirits high. And, you know, faith for us was huge. Um, that helped us enormously because we didn't feel abandoned. We felt like somebody was, you know, there was something we could do. When you can do nothing else, at least we could hit our knees in prayer and feel like, Maybe that just did it. Maybe that was the thing <laughs> and whatever. I mean, it just, it worked for us. And 
honestly, I never felt abandoned. I did not feel alone and I was very much alone and I love my family. I had nothing to do with family and friends. It had to do with COVID and it was a time where everybody felt alone. But when you're fighting a cancer battle and you can't have people coming in as a rotating revolving door and you have to put your person's health as priority and your kid's health as priority because you just can't stack on anything else to what's already breaking. You know what I mean? It was such a lonely time. But I didn't feel alone. Uh, that can only be achieved, I think, with higher power and religious belief. I think you have to have that, this higher power belief, because then and only then can you actually feel like, I don't know, like loved and um, supported, I guess, in the absence of anybody around you. It sounds funny. I know it does, but um, I don't remember ever sitting there being like, oh, I'm so lonely. A lot of people talked about loneliness during COVID. It was like an epidemic of its own, but I never felt that way. Um, and I will say this, blessed beyond belief that I live in the country. And so I wasn't stuck in a tight city apartment, um, unable to even like, you know, get out on a porch. I literally had my whole, I, I could run around. I could still be outdoors. Like, you know what I mean? It wasn't totally isolating. Um, so I didn't have it as bad as others in that way, but I still feel like during that time I felt blessed to be sort of just our little core family trapped in a, in a house <laughs> anyway. Um, but, but as much as that could have lent to me feeling overwhelmingly alone with a lot on my plate that was on me to have to do, I didn't feel that. I didn't ever feel like burdened. I didn't ever feel stressed by that. Uh, and I think sometimes when you're doing things, you don't feel tired anyway. Have you ever had that experience? Then at the end of the day, when you finally crash or sit on your couch or take the, you just feel like, oh my gosh, like you just hadn't even recognized you were like so tense and stressed or busy or exhausted because you were just doing, you know, and then when you stop, finally, I always feel like that on a day at the beach, which sounds hilarious, but when you have like a free outdoor open air um, day where you're literally doing nothing, have you ever felt so wiped out by that? And then you're just like, oh, I feel like I've just done a workout or something. It makes no sense. But anyway, um, that's besides the point. Whew. So outcomes, guys, I'm going to take a quick break because I want to remind you all of what I'm doing. And when I get back, so much more on this topic. And this is day two of it. So there really was a lot on this topic. So I'll get into more of it when I get back. Don't go anywhere. There's so many ways in which people deal with their own personal grief. Um, loss of spouse is something that I'm sadly learning more people have had experience with than I ever imagined. And um, there are many different ways to get treatment out there. And so what I want to encourage people to do is make sure that you are finding the help that you need. That's first and foremost um, important is you and your own mental health. So if you have tried other things, they haven't worked for you, or you're just at the point of like, no, I need something else and, and I'm not sure where to start, I just wanted to offer to people who might be looking for something that I have a grief program called Lost Just Sucks 
Grief doesn't have to. <laughs> and I am helping people every day inside there. It is a very rewarding feeling for myself and for my clients. Um, I have some testimonials you can see if you're curious um, what it was like for people who were on the inside of it. And I have um, a video that gives a whole bunch of information on what it is exactly I'm doing inside of there. If you're interested in getting more information like that, just drop me an email at heather at canyoucurecancer.com. Again, it's Heather at canyoucurecancer.com. And if you drop me an email, I will be sure to send that on over to you. So back to the show, guys. So I'm anxious to hear what everybody thinks about what I said in the first half of this show because uh, I feel like even though I'm putting this out there, I'm destined to still hear from people telling me, yeah, but I just, but it's this, this is what I want. And I know what you're saying, but but this, you know? And so I'm curious for some feedback on this one because I know that once our hearts get super excited over something, because we can start to see it, like, have you guys ever gone through this with the buying of a house? You know, and once you finally see the house, it checks all the boxes, it seems so perfect. Sure, you could show me a million more that have all the things, but this is the one I want so bad. And this happens with jobs, it happens with relationships, it happens with everything, health outcomes, all of it. Um, and so why does the tunnel vision happen? It happens because when you have desires that are super, super strong and then time passes and you're not feeling like the box is getting checked and then, you know, I mean, let's face it, a lot of people that are on those dating sites and stuff, there's a lot of discouragement when you're, or same thing for homes and you're looking at home after home and then they're getting taken out from under you, or at least that's what it feels like, right? Somebody else makes a higher bid or, you know, no contingencies or whatever it is. And you feel like your dream just keeps getting so close and then swept away. It's so easy to want to just cling on once that perfect thing feels just slightly within grasp. Um, and the danger in that truly is just that you can lock yourself in so tightly to that one outcome that disappointment is like a 99%, <laughs> you know, that's what it feels like. I'm not, I'm, this isn't real percentages. I'm just saying it's like, okay, now you have literally said, like, let's take the relationship thing where this one person has to be the one when there's all of these other millions of people, but, but it has to be this one. Your odds are so much lower than just finding what it is about the one that is so very special and then opening up to the fact that God's got your back and there's probably others that have all that and then some, same with the house, all that and then some. They actually have a pool in the background in this one. They actually have great neighbors and the other one didn't. But we don't even see the flaws when we're so focused on the fact that everything that's right, you know, because it's like disappointment after disappointment and then all of a sudden everything seems right. Well, I'll caution you there because usually what seems so shiny is not ever perfect and not. So if you're thinking it's perfect, then you'll probably get hit with a little dropped bomb that there's something that you hadn't seen before that doesn't check a box. And the funny part is then everybody's willing to like compromise. Oh, I don't care. I'll, I can overlook that. But you shouldn't have to compromise. That perfect house should be able to be there for you within grasp, right? You shouldn't have to compromise. What I'm suggesting is the opposite. That not only can you have all that, but you might be able to have all that and more. And what about that idea? Are you even open still to the idea that it could be all that and even better? Maybe that new job that you could find the next one, even though you think this one is so perfect, could have everything 
and then also be closer to home or and then also allow you to work from home one day a week or, you know, has all these extra benefits of like days off or, um, you know, 401k or I don't know what it is. But all I'm suggesting is that when we are so set, so locked in that the only way it can look is this way that it's like having blinders on. And then the saddest part about that is I watch people all the time letting things fly by that were opportunities for them for exactly what they said they wanted and then some, but they didn't even see it because, no, no, it has to be this person I used to know in high school. It has to be this, or this house has to be the one because all the other ones are, are just not good enough. I've seen a million now to know. Like, even if you feel like you've seen a million, I know you haven't seen a million. I know you haven't even seen a million people. You haven't seen a million homes, a million jobs. So before we make grandiose statements and feel like we've exhausted all options and this is it, there just might be, I mean, the fact that you're seeing this and it's closer and more aligned with your goals is hugely exciting. It means you're starting to attract into your world and into your energy the right type of thing. So before you were probably attracting all the wrong things because that's where you're energetically were sort of pulling from. That polarity was in the wrong place. Now that you are different and changed, maybe you are now attracting even better things. So maybe this was just the first of many really good things. And maybe that's not even going to be the best of all the new things you're drawing in. So just staying open and relaxed. And the best part about this is when you stay relaxed and in that receivership position instead of trying to be the one driving the boat, you know, when you get to be the one just sitting back and letting things unfold, then you can be surprised by life. Then you can be pleasantly, you know, having all of these bonus things happen that you never could have seen coming. Because when you're controlling it, those things can't happen. But when you sit back, all of the sudden, like, you know, some new listing might pop up and you happen to be at the right place at the right time because you were just, you know, happened to be at the beach that day and sitting next to a realtor who has this list of people who are, you know, for sale by owner only or I don't know. I'm just saying like sometimes things just unveil that way because you are in a different place than you would have otherwise been. You are relaxing and letting life surprise you. And this idea is not new. I'm not the first one to talk about this. So it's out there. There's information out there on it. But I'm telling you what, when you are so dead set, it's got to be your way. And this only outcome is going to be the one that's going to fulfill your dreams. Uh, It's one going to, I think, cause a lot of stress, undue stress. And it's also not necessarily going to provide you with what you deserve or could get because you're going to end up settling. You're going to think, oh, I finally got the one thing I got that I wanted so bad. I knew it had to be this. And then you might just find yourself disappointed because like me back, as I said, back in my high school days, once I finally got there and got it, uh, yeah, not so shiny anymore, right? It's not all the things you thought it was. I only thought it was that because I was so solar focused on it because it was, it wasn't that at all that I was going after. I was going over after that rush. Then when the rush was gone, you know, the picture wasn't so perfect. The person wasn't such a match. And I think that that has happened with us several times. Um, like I remember this issue, well, I mean, this is a whole separate side story, but really in realty, this happened exactly like this for us. And to come to find out, we were so positive, had to be this house, had to be whatever. Well, 
<laughs> hindsight now, I realize we didn't even look at this one home that was way more perfect, had the perfect neighbors. Can you hear my dog? That's so obnoxious. I'm sorry. Um, and in the end, we almost settled for a lot of things, but they were like small settles and didn't feel like too big of a deal because it had everything else, right? But then in hindsight, like when that fell through, and I mean, we really got kind of like worked over on this deal, long story, but um, this other house showed up. It wasn't on our list because it was in a different town, but it was literally on the same street and all that stuff, right? So it was still like the perfect scenario. We just didn't even know. Oh, sorry. Oh my goodness. We didn't even know it was there because we hadn't even looked, right? So when you're sort of got those blinders on, like I said, I mean, a house that was literally right there um, was overlooked for, and it ended up being perfect. Long story short, we had blinders on for a long time really felt beaten down by the process of looking for a house that had to have all these certain things because it at the point we were at in our life at that time we were trying to sort of upgrade our situation so anything else just felt like a compromise no we want to upgrade this is the same this isn't you know what i mean like we thought no finally we got this one this is the one it has everything and and we, then when it went away we could have just felt so defeated but energetically, we'd finally come to the place of like, maybe none of this is meant to be. Maybe it's a sign we should stop looking so hard, just relax and enjoy our life for a while. And as soon as we did that, I mean, isn't this always the way? It's why people finally meet the one when they stop looking. Because when you stop trying to force things so much, sometimes it's just there all along. You know, it just comes right in front of your path and you're able to finally see it. It's not like they, you haven't probably had a million opportunities before. You just always missed it. And now you're finally able to see it. And so when one good thing comes, I don't feel like you have to put all your eggs in the basket that there it is. That's it. That's the final thing. I think it's more of like a reminder. Okay, now stay super open because look at all the good stuff that's starting to come. And if you can look at it from that perspective and being like, whoa, look what I just attracted in and what's next. If you can really be like in that place, it's just not always easy. But if you can literally be like, wow, I can't believe that happened. That is wild. I never would have imagined it. What is going to happen next? And I just sit as a spectator. Keep actively doing, you know, pursuing or whatever. Maybe like, um, like I would say if somebody's looking to try to find somebody and you're on a million dating sites, Maybe you sit a little back a bit, but you don't just take yourself off the dating sites. Just like if you were looking for a home, you wouldn't necessarily never look to see what's out there or look for a for sale sign as you're driving down the street. No, you still kind of keep open to it. You just stop like making every weekend have to be about with go to a million showings and we have to, you know, stop all that. Just relax a little bit and enjoy the process a bit is all I'm saying. And then usually life kind of pays you back for that and gives you more of the good stuff because you're in a good energy, right? You're not stressed out and feeling defeated and everybody wins but me. Everybody always gets the perfect guy, but I never do. Everyone gets the perfect home, but not me. That whole self-pity thing is going to attract more self-pity. So I talk about law of attraction a lot because it's true. When we get caught up in the victim mode of being like, life always happens to me, not for me, we start to have that actually happen. And if we can just stop that and be grateful and amazed with the good stuff that shows up, 
then more good stuff shows up. And so that's just a fun place to be at in life. And, you know, I wish I'd known that when I was younger. I really wish I had discovered this in like my early, early life years, because then life is so much more fun and to watch it unfold is just kind of magical. I'm watching for my kids for once too. Like as a parent, if any of you are parents out there or grandparents, I feel like I always wanted to sort of, I don't know, not force good things to happen to them, but it was like, oh, when thing, when bad things happen, I was so focused on that. What's the matter? Why did that happen? Oh. And now it's more like, like if, let's say a kid gets cut from a team. Whoa, like surprise that happened. I wonder why. There must be something kind of cool about to come. And because, listen, this just happened to us. Um, my, I don't think my kids would mind me sharing this, but like they tried out for a basketball program. They were so excited about it. It was like right in our backyard. His price was right. Everything was perfect. And then we got the basically like the one that tried out for a seventh and eighth grade team. Well, we only kept eighth graders. This is our eighth grade whatever team. And then my other one who's in third, we got the like, sorry, we just decided to go with a group of fourth graders because most of the kids they'll be playing are older. And so both kids, just because of their age, basically got cut. And it was like, it, I, I could have just been devastated with them, like, that, you know, heartbroken. But they weren't even heartbroken. They don't, I mean, they wanted it, but it wasn't like they were like, they were just like, oh, it wasn't for me. It wasn't like, looks like they have older teams, more experienced kids, whatever. And it's funny, it was like that, maybe, maybe that was my own childhood stuff of like someday when I got cut from something and felt devastated, maybe that I was bringing into the expectation that they were going to feel that way. But when I just sat back and watched it, they didn't feel that way. And actually, they kind of rose up and were like, hey, are there any more tryouts before, you know, the end of the season? And I was like, well, there's this one. Let's do it. And guess what? They both made the team and it was a much better team and a lot tougher team to make. And they made a team and they've moved their way up through these programs and gotten to even tougher teams. And like, if I look at it now, I can be like, now I get it. I couldn't get it at the time. Like, well, that's disappointing. Like, Ugh, I wish they had, I, and I could have just hung my hat on that. Like, oh, I wish they'd told us they were, they might only take older kids or it might be like, you know, any of that, who cares? I mean, the bottom line is I was bummed initially because I thought to myself, well, if they had told us this was a possibility, we might've chosen some of these other tryouts because they happened on the same day. And so we almost couldn't even try out for another team because by trying out for that one, we missed all these other tryouts. Um, and if I had just gotten stuck on that, look what would have happened. I would have missed this. And now the program that they're in now has a lot of really amazing men running the program who have taken my kids in a major way, like under their wing. They're showing them not just how to play the sport of basketball, but they're helping them to grow from boys into men, how to dig deep and define that like inner gumption and like to just, you know, how to be respectful and kind and like they're male role models for my kids. And the head coach had a similar experience with losing his dad at a similar age. And I could not have painted this picture in my mind that they would have ever found this situation, nor would I have ever looked this far from home for a program or paid the price of it or all these other things that would have gotten in my way. But because I let things just unfold and I didn't get all up in my stuff about it, 
uh, I just kind of got back online and went, huh, well, let's see, that happened. So let, are, is there anything else? And then there was, and it wasn't convenient. It was on the day of a, a one of my youngest already had a game and was sick. And there was all these other things anyway, where we could have just not even tried out, but like left it to them. They really wanted to do it. So we did it. And again, who would have imagined how things just have worked out so well for us? So that's just confirming to me. Someone's got my back. They're watching out for me. I am not exclusive to this. We all have somebody watching our backs, looking out for us. I believe it's higher power. I believe that if you haven't found God yet, I feel like there might be a part of you that has a hard time connecting with believing in this because it wasn't until I laid it at his feet and said, I need you to help me and take control of this in my life. It's feeling out of control. And then the peace came for me. So I can understand if this sounds foreign to you, but I also, I just want to inspire you to maybe open up. I mean, what do you have to lose by, by attempting to open your life up to anything is possible and higher power has my back because there's no harm that can come from that. But on the other hand, to me, what I could lose by not placing everything I have into my faith I mean, I had way too much to lose, right? I had everything to lose because to me, once I lost my husband, if I didn't fully trust God in this, then I was going to be living with a giant hole in my heart of absence and not able to fill it with peace and trust. So that had to be. But that um, this was just a real life example of seeing it in action that when I can just allow that release and let it play out. And instead of being bothered by how it played out or whatever, just see it through. See what happens next. Because so often something more beautiful is on the other side of the door. So I hope that serves as a little inspiration today. I know for me, uh, those little real life reminders helps to, to know that it's not just talk. Because we do hear stuff like this from all kinds of um, leaders and experts in mindset and all that all the time that, you know, all these things, they sound kind of good and on the outside. But I think sometimes when you're walking the walk and then see it kind of happen, that just feels a little more confirming and like, all right, you know, I mean, I'm always asking for signs and most of the time feel like I don't get them, but I think we do get them. It's just hard to sometimes realize, oh yeah, that's right. If I had overreacted, if I had made a big thing about it, if I we had gotten bummed out and then just not, you know, continued to to try or put ourselves out there, you know, this wouldn't have happened. And so acknowledging it, I think it'll just bring in more, more good. So speaking of all things good, I appreciate you all so much and all the support you keep giving me coming back and listening to what I have to say. I hope that my words are inspiring you and I hope you have another wonderful week. I'll see you next time, guys. All right. Thanks so much. 